the newest problem, the grandchild. Tzvi. Senator Brewery and Yaakov Markowitz. Very cute baby. <laughs> I don't know if it's cuter than other babies, but it's a cute baby. My opinion has not been solicited on other babies. <laughs> okay, so I had the honor of speaking at a Askara this week, um, Monday night. And so I met somebody, I said, I'm going to speak at Askara, and he said, it can't be better than Chaye Sarah for an Askara for a woman who is Nifka, it was like Min HaShamayim. So I had to look at the Sukim in Chaye Sarah, and I realized that they're kind of mysterious, and I didn't understand them. So let's learn the first four Sukim with Rashi. Vayu Chaye Sarah. Chaye Sarah. It looks like a plural. The lives, plural of Sarah. Mayashana, Vesrim Shana, Vesheva Shanim. Instead of saying Maya, Vesrim Vesheva, which would be the more efficient way to do things, and we always assume that the Torah writes efficiently, so that the lack of efficiency is noteworthy. And then it ends, the Pasuk ends by, with Shnei Chaye Sarah which sounds like a repetition of the beginning of the Pasuk. And the end is And of course, uh, as I always say, I mean, since we're trained by Rashi to assume that the Torah is very efficient and does not simply say things again and again for no particular reason, so this calls, calls uh, attention to itself. These kind of problems. So let's look at the, the Rashi. Rashi says, It says, In every group of, uh, of years, that each of these numbers, unlike in the general, when you have numbers, you, they're sort of like, just add up, 127 is one number. But here, in this pasuk, we're supposed to read it like 100 is important, and 20 is important, and 7 is important. And how, why are they important? Rashi says, Each of these numbers have significance, how? Bat kivat esrim She was a hundred years old, but she was like twenty. She was like twenty years old as far as transgression is concerned. I guess the assumption is that people who are twenty years old don't have not yet gotten a good chance at <coughs> transgression. I mean, I think we might find that a, a less than perfect idea. So, just like a 20-year-old hasn't sinned, that's the, the halacha, is that uh, you don't, uh, the, in heavens, they don't give karet to somebody who is younger than 20. So the opposite is also true, just like, uh, you know, so it was like a kind of a way of saying, like a little bit complicated, it's about a way of saying that Sarah was perfect, that she never sinned. She was unique in this respect, according to Rashi. Uh, and she, you know, this was a, also we find this in different places in the Torah, that uh, this, the, idea, the idea is that you shouldn't age. That, you know, I guess, uh, I guess that hasn't changed much, right? This idea that you should always look young and you should always like, act young. And so, so this was a big deal, Kavat Sheva Yofi. 
Moshe Rabbeinu, when he died, right, the Torah says, Lo nas lechot. Lach is the, his, his uh, moisture, the youthfulness on, in his skin was still there, even though he was chronologically very old. Right? And then finally, Rashi says, Shnei Chayeto Sarah. Remember the second time Chaye Sarah mentioned, Kulan Shavin Litova. Kulan Shavim, all the years, all of, all of her years are Shavim Litova, whatever that might mean. So Rashi, what Rashi has done, what Rashi has done is he's focused us on the two big problems in the Pasuk. One is why does the word Shana appear again and again and again? And the second problem is why is, why is Chaye Sarah mentioned twice, those two words, Chaye Sarah. And, and Rashi's general answer as a general answer is that there's a kind of a remez. A remez means it's not really written in the pasuk, but you want to kind of see something in this particular structure. So the remez here is that Sarah was outstanding. She was without sin. And she was, uh, her, her beauty had not uh, expired in any way. And she had not, uh, she had not done anything wrong, right? This is what this is what Rashi says, but it leaves us, it leaves us a little bit cold, because when we think about Sarah, we think about I mean, it might leave us a little bit cold. This Rashi, because you think about Sarah, you think about a person who was active. She she did things. She uh, uh, just think for a minute about uh, about her position on Hagar and Yishmael. I mean, she was an activist. And even Avram Avinu was not willing, to, well, at first did, want, did not want to act as she demanded that he act, to chase out Yishmael. I mean, what was the difference between Sarah and Avraham? Avraham was uh, an eternal optimist. He, he hoped for the best. You know, he knew that his son Yishmael was not perfect, but he hoped to get to the point of perfection. Now, this is not just naivete on the part of Avram Avinu, because we understand that in the course of Jewish history, that's exactly what happened. Because Yaakov had 12 sons. Now, not all of those 12 sons were exemplary or exemplars. They were, some of them were simply not in sync with the will of Yaakov. Nevertheless, in the time of Yaakov, there was a family. And a family, that was what was created. One of the things created by the Avot was family. And family means that even the people who don't live up to the standard that you would hope for remain part of the family for better, for better or for worse. I mean, that's what, that's what family is. That may be the reason that Yaakov originally sent Yosef to find his brothers who had gone off to Shechem to graze the sheep. Like, he knew that they all hated each other, but he didn't say, he didn't say to Yosef, look, avoid them. He said, be involved with them. Try to make your peace with them. And, and that was the family. Now, Avraham, Avraham wanted the family. And, and Sarah understood that that time had not yet come. That Yitzchak would be jeopardized by Yishmael. Because it just wasn't, I mean, they didn't have any backing. There were no generations. By the time Yaakov came, there were two generations of people who were influenced by Avraham and Yitzchak and even Yaakov. So it made more sense at that time to have a family. So Sarah, Sarah was a personality. She wasn't just the lack of transgression or the somehow adornment uh, with beauty. She was like a real person. So you would think that in the Pasuk, that describes the death of Sarah. There would be a remez, a hint to something that she had done, something positive about uh, the world that she helped to create. 
and it's missing, it's missing in Rashi. Missing in Rashi. V'tamot sara b'kiryat arba hi chevron v'aretz kenan v'yavo Avraham l'spod v'sarav l'vkota l'spod to eulogize v'sara v'livkota and to cry. And everybody asks the question, all the Mephoshim and modern commentaries all say, all say the same thing. A person hears that a close relative died. That's when you cry. And then later on, when, the, when things get organized, you eulogize. Here, what it says in the Pasuk is that first Avram Avidu eulogized <coughs> and then he cried. It's almost as though, it's almost as though the Pasuk says that Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu didn't know who Sarah was until he eulogized her. And when he had to get up and speak about his wife, he started to cry because he realized how great the loss, how great the loss was. I'm not saying that this is what the Pasuk says, but it's almost as though that's what the, the, the intention of the Pasuk is because, as I said, normal people cry when you hear that something disastrous has happened and they don't <coughs> wait for the eulogy. Nevertheless, the Pasuk says, Lispod lisarah, Lispod lisarah v'livikotah. So Rashi says, if you look at the first wide line in the Rashi, Lispod lisarah v'livikotah, v'nismecha mitat sarah la'kedat Yitzchak. So Rashi is answering a question. The question, you know, in Chazal is always, Lama nismecha. Lama nismecha. Why do two parashiyot, or two stories, come one after the other. Of course, uh, Rashi only asks that question when there's an answer. And the answer for Rashi is always in Chazal. It's never an answer that he invents, which is, so there's a limit. What do Chazal say about this question? Nismecha bitatzara lakedat Yitzchak lefi so, I am never able to understand this Rashi that says that she heard about Akedat Yitzchak, what was going on, and she was so taken by what was happening, she died. I mean, it was the family that she worked so hard to create uh, by getting rid of, uh, amongst other things probably, getting rid of Hagar and Yishmael. <coughs> uh, it was, it was going to come to an end. But, uh, so she died. She, she could not put up with that idea. The idea was too much for her. But what do you say? Is this a compliment about Sarah? Or perhaps a critique of Sarah. After all, Avraham and Yitzchak went to the Akedah, to this event of binding of Yitzchak. I wouldn't say they went happily, but they went knowing that they were ref a reflection of God's will. They were doing what God wanted them to do. And they were, they were willing to do that. And Sarah somehow, according to this Chazal, was out of the picture. She was not, she was not as they were. She was not as they were. And, and, and the fact that they were willing to go, and they were in the state of the two of them, Abraham and Yitzchak, went together, right? And you remember, you remember that Besides Abraham and Yitzchak, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Shnei Ne'arav Imo, right? They, he went with the two ne nameless uh, uh, lieutenants. And Rashi says, who are the nameless lieutenants? Eliezer and Yishmael. Well, if it's Eliezer and Yishmael, why are they nameless? Why are they not named in the story? We know them. We know Eliezer. You have Raji. You look at Raji. It says Eliezer and Yishmael. So why shouldn't the Torah tell us that it's Eliezer and Yishmael? Well, they were not in the story. They, they did not play a role 
in Akedatis. They could never understand. They could never understand. They stood way back. Uh, they, they didn't approach the place of Akedatis. It was something they could not fathom and would not be able to understand. So it turned out that Sarah was somehow in that category, according to Rashi. She didn't get it. She didn't get it. So I think it, does, it sounds to me like it's not exactly, it's not exactly a compliment. What? A, a little louder, I can't understand that, that there's a difference between Sarah and Abraham in that Sarah is a mother. Sarah? Is a mother. Yeah. And a mother will often react differently than a father. Okay. In other words, you, you're, you're saying that you can somehow see a way of justifying uh, what happened to Sarah. Right, if okay. trying to explain that. Isn't okay. there also an idea of the imaginative contemplation of a near miss? That what? That the imaginative contemplation of a near miss, of thinking of something that, that is a very deep trauma, that if you think, you would think on one hand that, well, it was a near miss, so you should be very, very happy. You wouldn't have a trauma, but you do have a trauma when you contemplate what might have happened, what could have happened. And that was, she wasn't there to see it. It's often people say it's scary, things are scary from afar. So isn't that so the, uh, the idea with Sarah that just thinking about what almost happened was so horrific to her that, that, that she died of the shock of it? Look, it, it could, it, I don't know. I mean, maybe you've you written a good movie script. Actually, I think it's from the sources, but I'll like what? next week. I don't think the Avot and the Imahot are supposed to have traumas. Mm -hmm. well, this, yeah. Yeah, my, maybe, maybe. She, I don't had, think. she had a few. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't have a few. She had challenges. <laughs> challenges and traumas are not the same thing. Yeah. Challenges you're able to deal with. A trauma you're not able yeah, to deal well, with. Pasuk Dalit, one more Pasuk. No, I'm sorry. Vayakab Pasuk Gimel. Vayakab Abraham Yal Pnei Meitov. Vayedabel Pnei Chait Lemor. So Abraham rose up before his his the uh, dead body, and he spoke to Pnei Chait Lemor, the people who were there who uh, who lived in the area. Gave it to Shava Nochi Machem Tnuli Yachuzat Kevi Machem. So what's missing? What's missing? What's missing in the story is the hespade. Like what did Abraham say about his wife? I mean, for some reason, for some reason, this is not available to us. The Torah doesn't want us to know what Abraham said about his wife. Now, I would imagine that it would be very instructive to know what it was that Abraham said to his wife, about his wife. But we just don't, we just don't know. So what I would like to do to kind of uh, see if we can clarify a little bit is to learn a section of the Preet Sadiq, right? The Preet Sadiq is a, a work on Chumash. Right, who is, uh, every time I mention him, I say the same thing. The same thing is that, the same thing I always say is that fortunately for us, Rav Sodek had very few living Hasidim. And that gave him a lot of time to write things. And so we profit from the writing of Rav Sodek Akoda, who was a, you know, very knowledgeable in all facets of Torah, and had interesting ways of looking at things. So I'm going to read it and translate it. I hope. Uh, yeah. The Madrash Rabbah, the lines are not numbered, so I'll, I'll call your attention to it from time to time. The Madrash Rabbah, here on this, uh, the parasha, Yodei Hashem Yemait Mimim. Yemait Mimim, that's what the Pesach says. Days of Tamim. Tamim is, tamim is perfection. Right? Uh, Hashem said to Avram Avinu, you're not perfect. 
the Brit Mila will make you perfect. Yemet Mimim. Kishem Shehent Mimim. Kachshnotam Tmimim. Just as the days are perfect, the years are also perfect. Kada Eglita Tmima. Like the Egla Tmima. Egla is a. Let's see. Yeah. And Tmima means without a blemish. Right? Perfect. There's a certain perfection in animals which is necessary in order to have, for them to be korbanot. Eglat vima. Vishamati me'arav ha-kadosh. I don't know who this is. It could be either the Torah Emet, who was the Rebbe in Lublin before him, or it could be the Ishbitzer, who was the Rebbe before that. But it was somebody that he actually had contact with, Shapirish Kehadah, Eglita, he explained the word Eglita, which means a calf. We just said that. Davar Agol, She'ein lo rosh v'sof, she'akol shavim. That Eglita is a circle. Agol, Agol in Hebrew. And the thing about a circle is that it doesn't have a beginning or an end. It's the same all around. And of course, all of this, these words are words that are used to describe Sarah, right? She's the same when she was old as when she was young. She was pure, old, and pure, young. She was beautiful, young, and beautiful, old. She was the circle. She was described, she could be described as, and that's what the Rebbe said. The Rebbe said, we're not talking about a calf, but we're talking about a circle. Right? Also the years. So this is how the Pritzadik starts it off. That she was always the same. He, she, he expands on the Rashi, which is Chazal, right? Also in the Medrash. He expands on it, and what he says is, it's always the same. That's Sarah. Sarah Emenu, when she was young, when she was middle-aged, when she was older, she was always the, the, always the same. Why does the Pasuk repeat the words Shnei chaye Sarah Bachrona, if it said those words in the beginning, Vayu chaye, Vayu chaye Sarah. And then why does it say Shnei chaye Sarah? Question that we also asked. Lomalecha, listen, Chaviv chayehem sel tzadikim lifnea makom olam hazeh, ule olam haba. In other words, chaye Sarah. She lived the life of Olam Hazen, and she lived the life of Olam Haba. She was, she was worthy. The first person in the creation who has this attribute of being perfect in Olam Hazen and perfect for Olam Haba. Vedarash Sarah. And this drasha is about Sarah so Sarah is distinguished. She's not like the others, the other imahot, right? Rivka, Rachel, Leah. They don't have this when they die. Shana, Shanim, Chayei. Those words are missing when their death is described. The Kamosha Ruba Zohar Kadosh, right? You remember I told you the Zohar has standard pagination. Even if the printed book that you're looking at is not the standard pagination, but the standard pagination is always noted someplace on the page. 
So if you look at the at the, the Zohar the, with the parish of the Sulam, it just comes to mind, right? So you know that the the standard pagination is found at the bottom of the page, but you could always so. It's just like in the Gemara, there's a standard pagination, right? So if you would publish a Gemara in a new format, which, you know, has been done, you would probably relate it to the standard format so that people could find their way around more easily. All of this. Wow, here you have it. So he says, why is it that this idea that a person could be fit for Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba is stated with Sarah and not stated for Avraham, who of course is is a hero, is the real, you know, the ultimate hero, is Abraham, the way we, we understand it. After all, it's probably true that for all of the tzaddikim, there is chavivut, there is some sort of close relationship with God in this world and in the next world. But the reason that the, uh, the, the Pasuk says shnotam, its years are unblemished, so here, here he's, he's going to try to tell us something. So when you say that somebody was perfect, when you say that somebody lived a perfect life, never sinned, always did mitzvot, always did the good thing, what about, what about the younger years? What about the years before you're sort of accountable for what, are you, what you do? What about the years when you're simply a child, from this we see that their years are unblemished. Go before me and be unblemished. That's when, when the Kodesh Baruch commanded him to to circumcise himself, nishlam sheshnotav t'bimim. In other words, it's connected to the milah. That means that before Avraham Avinu was circumcised, he was not tamim. There was something incomplete about him. And since there were in, he was incomplete beforehand, you can't say that he was always the same. He wasn't always the same. He was two people. He was Avram Avinu before Mila and Avram Avinu after, after Mila. So that's what you could say, Shalyadeh. Hamila nishlam sheshnotav tamimim. The years after that were unblemished. V'hainu she'az nitbarem ha'shenemar lech tal yaldutcha. It's a posseg in Tehillim. It's a posseg in Tehillim. I'll just take a look. I brought Tehillim with me. One second. Of course, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not sure about the reference that I wrote. Ah, here it is. The, it's in uh, Tehillim Kuf Yud Pasuk Gimel. 
the end of that Pasuk says these words, Lecha Tal Yaldutecha. You can be described by the word Tal. Tal is do. D-E-W. Yaldutecha. Your childhood. Now what does do have to do with childhood? So Rashi says, Rashi Tal Right, you you will be you will be considered to be like Tal. Your childhood will be Tal, and uh, that can also be stated in fa- as follows, uh, as it is in, in other medrash. What's Tal? What do you what do you know about Tal? It disappears, right? You you know early in the morning you go out there's Tal, and then you just wait a while, and there isn't any anymore. So what about Avram Avinu could be called Tal? So you know that there are two opinions about when Avram Avinu discovered God. One is that he was three years old, and the other that he was forty years old. Uh, Neither of those opinions does me any good. But let's say it was three years old. Let's say that Avramita discovered God when he was three years old. So that means that before he was three years old, he lived in the world of idolatry. Right? So the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Tal Yaldutecha. That your childhood years, this is the way the Tachuma explains it, your childhood years are like Tal. What about Tal? Tal disappears. It disappears in the, so that, that this idea is that Avram Avinu was also perfect. Even though Avram Avinu had uh, younger years that were difficult, but they disappeared when he discovered when he discovered God. That's called Tal Yeldutecha. Matal Zeporeach. Just like the Tal disappears, your transgression also disappears. Mahatal Azesiman Bracha Bechulei. This is all in the Medrash. Ukimosha Amru. Right? Hainu Sha'af Yemei Ayaldut. Kodem Shikiret Bor O. Gamkein Siman Bracha. So it turns out that his earlier years, where he didn't know, he did not yet know about God, but he did whatever he did, whatever his parents directed him to do, also became a Siman Bracha. She Yehed Naora, Naora is light. The Nafik Bigo Chashocha. Because the light that Avraham Avinu produced, this is what the Zohar said, is even greater than regular light. Because it's light that comes from darkness. It's like, you know, it's like if you have a, a flashlight during the day, you don't see much. But if you have the flashlight in darkness, it can make a serious difference. So that was Avram Avinu. He became the light out of the, out of the darkness. Ainushaf, you may. Uh, I wrote this elsewhere as well. Even though Sarah, it didn't say about Sarah that she should become tamim, uh, unblemished. So he quotes the Gemara. The Gemara says that a woman, a woman is like a circumcised being. In other words, in other words, the woman is born perfect, perfectly formed, whereas the man has to achieve perfection through circumcision. So is uh, again. Um, Matzadi v'knichtav rak b'sara, v'knichtav rak b'sara shnei yameha lorot sheshnotet mimim al pima sheamru b'medrash, and that's why Sarah is is noted 
to be Shnei Chayei Sarah, Shnei Chayei Sarah, twice, because she is Tmima. Tmima, Pima Shamuba Midrash, Adam Echad Me'elef Matzati, I found one person of a thousand, means very rare, Matzati Ze Avraham, but I couldn't find a woman who is like that, so Sarah. And what does that mean? So he says, Avraham, what do you mean Avraham was, I found one amongst, that, that, that there were a lot of tzaddikim who could have done something similar to what Avraham did, but the Adam, echad mi'elef matzadik Avraham, so this is like, you know, the Kabbalistic world, which is that we're always fighting to fix what was messed up. So part of the mess of the world is attributed to Adam Arishon. And the, the, the tikkun, the fixing of what Adam Arishon did wrong, is already planned by God through Avraham, Abraham Avinu. So he said, he said, uh, this is what we're up to. Echad me elef. Right? I'm now three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines on the bottom. Echad me elef matzati ke Avraham she yavole takein pigam adam arishon. O kemosha amrube breshit rabbah ein dor she einbo ke Avraham. That means every generation needs an Abraham Avinu to fix things that were messed up by the previous generations. And so Avraham Avinu is not just the one who fixes the sin of Adam Arishon, but he's the prototypical fixer. And just like you needed Avraham Avinu in order for history to move on, you still need Avraham Avinu for history to move on. About Isha this is a, a notion that is strongly stated in the Kabbalah that Abraham fixes the sin of Adam Arishon and Sarah will fix the sin of Chava. Right? The sins, they both sinned, but there's a sort of a a sexist position about the sins that they participated in. Uh, uh, again, and that's why the Pasuk said, I couldn't find a woman. That, that God loves the, the, the years of the righteous in Olam Hazeh and Olam Torah. And here is like this interesting idea. It's interesting idea that women are not chayavot in the way, in the same way as men, in the midst of Talmud Torah, which doesn't mean that they're not chayavot in the midst of Talmud Torah. I don't think. I mean, I'm prejudiced, I suppose. But women make the bracha, a bracha birkat mitzvah on Talmud Torah every morning. So there must be some sort of relationship between learning Torah and women. Nevertheless, nevertheless, what is he, what is he saying? 
what does he say? He says this. That's a מישיבה לישיבה, ממדרש למדרש, ויתוסיף להם חיים כאן בעולם הבא. So you'll tell me, you'll tell me what you think. But the, what, what the pre-tzadik says is the fact that men, the male, has a mitzvah to learn Torah is itself a reflection of the lack of tmimut in the men that they always have to fight to get to where God wants them to get to. And since the Talmud Torah is an endless enterprise, it's always, uh, learning Torah is a reflection, is a reflection of the lack of perfection in the, in the male. Whereas the women who don't have a mitzvah Talmud Torah, which doesn't mean that they shouldn't learn Torah or they can't learn Torah or they won't learn Torah. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that the perfection that God is looking for, which gives you entree into Olam Abba, can only exist for women. It can only exist for women because they don't need the tikkun of Talmud Torah. They need the knowledge of Talmud Torah. Well, that's obvious. I mean, you can't keep the Torah if you don't know anything about it. So you need, the, you need Talmud Torah to keep the Torah. But men need Talmud Torah to become people, to become persons, uh, uh, to achieve a level of, uh, to achieve a level of uh, unblemishedness. So he, so he says that, that that's why that's why this idea of menucha in olam hazeh and in olam haba is stated specifically by Sarah because Sarah is the kind of prototypical woman in this case who is, who is perfect, who is perfect. And her perfection, her perfection as distinct from Avram Avinu, Right, Avraham Avinu, the first three years, he was an idolater. I don't know what Sarah was doing during the first three years of her life, but we don't know anything about that. We do know that Avraham Avinu was an idolater or lived in an idolatrous world. And since Avraham Avinu lived in an idolatrous world, he needed, he needed to be fixed. Right, so somehow that had to be. So the Pasuk said, well, those three years are like Tao. They're like the, uh, what's Tao? Do, do. do, right. That's like, I'm losing it. The, 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 uh, the do, which disappears. It disappears in the world. When the sun comes out, there's no longer, there's no longer any do. So we'll just finish. Pirish Rashi. Rashi says, Mechayim lechayel, b'yeshiva l'yeshiva. Umi medrash medrash. I mean, that's what men have to do. They keep going from one place to another to learn, to learn Torah. V'yitosef lahem chayim gamba olam haba. And that's how they get to the life of Olam Abba. Lo yitachein ra'emez b'zeh l'chpol l'shon shnei chayehem shechaviv l'vnei ha'makom l'olam Abba. But they, they don't deserve this accolade that Sarah received. That Sarah received that she's perfect for Olam Abba and perfect for Olam Abba. V'zeh ne'emaz b'maz sh'nechpal shnei chayeh Sarah v'yishah acheret k'shera and since Sarah fixed the pegam, uh, the blemish that was created by that was created by Chava, she was given this special this special uh, accolade that she's olamaze. And Olam Abba. If I just summarize for a minute the points that the pre-tzadik made. Of course, uh, pre-tzadik is not talking about Sarah. He's talking about 
the prototypical woman who happened to be named Sarah, right? He's not talking about a particular person. He's talking about the challenge of goodness. He's talking about how you determine that somebody is righteous. Uh, what does it mean? What does it mean to say that somebody is unblemished, that has achieved uh, perfection? And he attacks that from several different, different, in several different ways. And he comes to the conclusion, he comes to the conclusion that there's something very special that we learn here about, about Sarah, and that she is unblemished even in a way that Avram Avinu was not. Even though the early sins or the sins of his youth disappear, disappear like Tal disappeared, but they were there before they disappeared. Right, that was the that was the point that uh, that the pre tzaddik made, so that if you would say that that's the hesped, the hesped is like recognition, according to the pre tzaddik, that Avraham recognized who his wife was, what it was that she that she contributed in terms of olamazelamaba, perfection, imperfection how even he, Avram Avinu, had to take note of her special, her special qualities. I would say, I would like to just, I'll, I'll listen to a second. I would just like to add one, one thing. I asked, I asked, where is the Hespade? Where is the Hespade? So, you know, Avram Avinu, he didn't have to buy the Maratha Matkela. He didn't have to buy a grave for his wife. I mean, we know certainly from somewhat later, later times, and probably it was true in those times, that uh, they didn't necessarily organize cemeteries. And you know, people had a house, and the house was surrounded by, by fields, and the field um, had a, like a spot in it under a tree, a nice spot. But you could bury the people who died over there. It wasn't as though you had to have, you had to pay the Heber Kedisha in order to bury somebody. That wasn't the way, that wasn't the way it works. So that part of the understanding of the discussion between B'nai Chet and Avram Avinu, take the money, don't take the money, no, you could bury her, don't bury Part of that discussion was that Avram Avinu actually came up with a new idea. And his new idea was, a place that would remain forever known to everybody as the place that Sarah was buried. And that that place, according to Avramavini's understanding of things, had to be purchased. Had to be purchased, even though the kibush of Eretz Yisrael would come later in the days of, <coughs> of Yoshua bin Nun. And everybody understood that Kibush was a necessary prerequisite to Nachalah. He nevertheless, he, Avram Avinu, felt that his wife deserved to, part to participate actively in the Nachalah of Eretz Israel. She came willingly with Avram Avinu to Eretz Israel, and she lived her life and brought up her children with the love of Eretz Israel. So that the Hespade, the Hespade that Avram Avinu, that the Torah tells us, I mean, Hespade may have had several different uh, moments to it, but the Hespade, the eulogy of Avram Avinu for Sarah was the Maratha Machpelah, where she participated in inventing something new, that the family had a Nachalah, in Eretz Yisrael. The family had a Nachala in Eretz Yisrael. And, and well, uh, I mean, it's not a regular kind of Hespade, but it's the Hespade that the Torah tells us about. This is what he did. This is what changed in the world. This is what happened, that the Marat Machpelah suddenly became the property of the family. And that was something new. That was something absolutely new, and Avraham insisted that he would pay for it. That people who are you know, halachically inclined understand 
that there's a difference between a gift and a purchase, and that the purchase is much more serious, it's much more final than a gift. A gift, you could always, you know, the person giving the gift might change his mind. He say, look, I didn't mean to give you the gift. I meant uh, to show it to you. Well, I meant to lend it to you. I meant, you know, like that's, those are things that might happen. But, but uh, uh, a purchase, a purchase is uh, final. Uh, both sides understand that. There might be witnesses to the, to the purchase. So what Avramadino did for his wife was change the world a little bit. And that was, that was his, that was his, his faith. I was just thinking that there's something, it's a beautiful Joshua, and all the things were very positive. But what still concerns me is, what is it that led the Mephoshim to actually take this direction? Because if you look at the text, A, when she dies, nothing is said. B, the few things that are mentioned about her actually are not so positive. One thing that's mentioned is, you know, when she hears the Malachim talk about, Malachim talk about her having a baby, she laughs, she doubts it, says, you know. Uh, yes. So these things are not so beautiful. So the question that raises for me is, what made the Mephoshim decide to take this lack of text and turn it into an example of super text. That shit, they made her into a super tzadikus. She's not just a person, but a super tzadikus. Better than, better than other women, better than even than her husband Abraham. About much is said. And even at her death, nothing is said. When Moshe dies, you know, you have this statement, no one was like him, etc. When she dies, there's not a word. And they use it. So I'm trying to figure out what was it that was bothering them that they were trying to fill in, in other words, and even use this negative text to create a different picture? I don't know. Good. Nothing like wondering. Okay. No, I mean, everybody heard. Um, all the best. Have a good job.